Welcome to Know Your Audience, a marketing mini cast that explores how knowing an audience can unlock greater insight. In this episode, we talk more specifically about gleaning authentic insight from Arabic speaking audiences. Paul walks us through the challenges and his solutions with Scylla. So let's drill down a little bit here, Paul, mm. and let's take everything that we've been talking about now, audience first, yeah. how we've gotten there, scaling, the benefit to our data interpretation, how this allows us to create better briefs for our creatives. Now let's take this and let's be a little bit more specific and talk. You've, In fact, you alluded to it in our last episode. Let's talk about our region. Let's talk about yeah. the UAE. Let's talk about Saudi Arabia. And let's talk about understanding these Arabic speaking audiences and how audience first in the context of this region is ripe with insight. I think the best way to talk about this is probably applying our own experience at, at DA uh, with, with this region and the Arabic speaking world, which is much bigger than the, the countries that we've talked about, of course, across North Africa um, and also in other parts of the world as well. But is trying to understand, I guess, the audience a bit better here. And, and now even I'm not a native Arabic speaker or anything like that, but team is and, and all that sort of thing. But we were very surprised uh, when we were trying to do some research about how bad a lot of different tools, um, not just social listening, other sorts of tools as well, were at understanding and, and interacting with Arabic language. And it seems like a very underserved market because this a lot of this technology was basically taking... Arabic text, translating it through a translation service, trying to understand something like sentiment and then translating it back and then getting the sentiment from the translation. But a bit like Spanish, Arabic has a lot of nuance to it in the language and you don't necessarily, something negative can actually mean something positive. You know, English is the same, every language is the same, but if it's not created for that audience, if that tool hasn't been created with that audience in mind, particularly with Arabic being a right to left language rather than left to right, then you miss a lot of stuff. Um, and what happens? What happened was we were just getting bad or no information. You know, Everything was neutral, for example, on sentiment. So we knew that there must be a much better way of understanding this audience that seemed to be very underserved. And so we built our Tuzilla, which is connections in Arabic, to really understand audience bring this audience first philosophy to life in a much deeper and richer way. And that's, and that's using, I guess, machine learning and artificial intelligence and understanding natural language processing, but without any translation. So it just happens in Arabic. Why is that important? Well, if you're using tools to make decisions like we were that weren't necessarily doing things in a native way, then you're getting the wrong information. And so we can't really apply an audience-first philosophy to information that's being translated into another language because we're not thinking audience-first. The audience wouldn't speak English to begin with. So so let me get this straight. Scylla is working natively in Arabic, and it's working in a manner that not only is interpreting what's being said in Arabic, but it's interpreting what's being said in Arabic according to the dialects of the input yes yeah we created dialect models and all this sort of thing to understand you know proper sentiment predictive models like all that sort of stuff through through natural language processing um and, and also image processing things like regional huge brands in our region are not huge brands in a global context i mean they are the sales are probably getting them into bigger lists but there are brands that are very unique to this region 
um, or otherwise brands whose name is in Arabic, particularly, mm. for instance, in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, particularly Dubai, everything, a lot of, 99% of stuff is in English. So it can sometimes tint our view of our entire region, but most packaging is, is in Arabic um, and English. But people, if they're shooting photos or they're, they're sharing moments and things, it's always the Arabic that you see. You don't necessarily see the 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 original English brand and every brand has an Arabic equivalent. And so, you know, image recognition doesn't pick up this stuff from Western sources. So you're losing the insight. Yeah. And so, and, and sentiment's another extreme example where, like I said, it translates things and then it's like, what the hell does that mean? You know, cause yeah. it's a bad translation and just everything's neutral. So then you manually have to go and train the model. But if we just built the model like this to begin with, <laughs> to understand the language input, then you get the results. And if you're, you know, and then the mistake, obviously, if you're in the, if you're in an English native speaking country, you know, the US or UK building these tools, you don't necessarily understand that there's huge differences between dialects here. Although there's unification of traditional Arabic, people don't talk that way. <laughs> you know, what, what might be said in, in, in Jeddah would be completely different to, to Naj, you know, the, the central region of Saudi Arabia. And, and or, or Kuwait, Kuwaiti uh, Gulf dialect. So understanding all that stuff, it becomes really important. If you, and if everything else that was available in the market doesn't necessarily do that, then we, we found it very difficult to apply this this principle. So in 2018, 2019, we started building Scylla, 18. And then in the last year, it sort of came into the world and, and has been a great asset for us to better understand and, and better apply our audience first principle, which we've had inside our company for a very long time. But I think it's been a, it's been hard for us to articulate it because we never had a way of understanding our audience. And this is where I keep going back. Like audience first means being that audience first. So if, if that audience is Arabic speaking, then don't for a minute try as a non-speaker of that language to understand it because it it doesn't work. Nothing works that way, you know what I mean? And and this is the biggest problem that I think, like not just measurement from perspective, but also audience first and applying these principles. I think a lot of marketers are sometimes skeptical in our region because they get these results. It's like, oh, what is that? You know, come on, that doesn't make sense, you know? So Paul, we've we've had conversations where you've talked about the fact that the results that have been gleaned from sentiment don't necessarily jive with the ideas that people have. And then those people have gone and done focus group research and found out that indeed the sentiment research and the focus group research line right up. But what we would have thought was going on because of the way we do our research in marketing and in business doesn't actually connect with what people really are saying because they tend to lie. Yeah. Consumers will always lie. There is not a stronger truth that's ever been said. And I think, yeah, exactly what you said. So I think there's two, two layers to sort of quickly unpack there. And the first layer is that with, with research, there are these biases that we've talked about, but also you have sometimes the issues like that I've talked about where the thing doing the research, the tool that's helping you doesn't necessarily understand the language and, and that can really skew results. But if you take that out and you look at the second layer, which is using a tool like Scylla that does understand dialect and, and, and understand things, you're able to better uncover what's going on. and, and, and So and, trends and actual usage of product. Yeah, and yeah. an example that, that we sort of found was that 
a particular product. Um, I'd love to give more details, but I can't. But a particular product being used in a certain way. That product is an everyday cooking product. And it, it wasn't necessarily the way that would get the best results. It was, in fact, there's a substitute that people use, which I could, which I could talk about there, which is, which is rice. Um, this region is rice. Everything's rice. <laughs> we always, we all love the rice dishes of, of the various mandy and, and biryani and things like that. But th- this other product, which was adjacent, wasn't necessarily being, was being cooked the same way as rice, but it shouldn't be. And so what was happening was that people were getting um, a really underperforming product not very nice at all and when you add in in flavor enhancements and things like that so things like sauces things like toppings it doesn't help the taste it it's awful <laughs> um, and 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 you get people disappointed so that they then use that particular product um, in the cheapest possible way because um, every you know I go out and have it and it's really nice but cook it at home and it's not quite right I, you know that's why you go to restaurants i guess so but i'm not going to spend extra money on making this nice i'm just going to choose the basic absolute baseline taste you know whether it's a sauce or whether it's a topping or the core ingredient itself that wasn't necessarily coming through the category data so there's a big difference in, the, in within the category about spend and how that was all working but that behavioral element was missed and then when research was out there you know, of course, people never actually said that they weren't sure how to cook it. Exactly. You're not going to tell a researcher that's in your house that you don't know how to cook something, right? And this is where that social desirability bias comes in. You you want that person to think that you're, you know, what you're doing. That you're yeah, not yeah. disappointed. No, I just choose this because it's price based. You know, no, it's performance based. And so, and then you know, there was a bit of skepticism, I think, among the client about does that actually, you know, is is there. Hmm. And and then a focus group was conducted, um, and and that really sort of drove home that that was actually what was happening. You know that that the research had found that insight, and that insight would never have been found had it not been able being able to understand dialect and and understand the language. You know, it just wouldn't have been found at all. And and this is this is one example of many that come up, and and sentiment is a really important one as well. Because when you understand sentiment, you really understand what someone feels on a topic, and it can be hit and miss. Like, granted, even even tools that are in English for English can sometimes miss, but it does give you that baseline of measurement that can understand feelings towards a certain topic at a really big scale really quickly. And unless you understand that in 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 a dialect that someone talks about natively, then it makes it really more it makes it much more difficult to understand. You know what's what's happening at a real true scale in that audience. The takeaway from this episode is that audience first means putting the audience first. And the first principle of this is working and collecting the data in the language and dialects of the audience being looked at. You can get in touch with me across the socials at the JamesCast or james at the jamescast.com. And get in touch with me, Paul, through d-a.co or otherwise email me at paul.kelly at d-a.co. Thanks for listening.